Welcome to this episode of Tiati. When this episode, you guys are going to be encouraged as you hear the story of our guest today, James Amar, and how he and his family had great plans with good intentions, but like many of you can relate, those plans were completely turned upside down and uh, did not work out quite as they had planned. And as you hear his story today, you will see that his, his story and his experience really take that to a whole nother level. So before we introduce James and bring him into the, into the interview, I want to give everyone some perspective and background of James' homeland and where he's from and the environment in which uh, he grew up. James is from the country Myanmar, formerly known as Burma. It's located in Asia. It's in between India and China, and it's about the same size as the state of Texas. But imagine if Texas was broken up into 13 different states within Texas or 13 different regions and many, many different people groups and different leaders uh, in those different areas of the country. In Myanmar, about 70% of the population live in rural area. In the U.S., about 20% of our population live in rural areas. So think about that, 20% in the U.S. versus 70% in Myanmar. And you know the challenges in rural America we face um, imagine now that being a lot larger of our population being in the rural areas. So with that, I'm going to introduce our guest today, which I'm excited about. I've met James a few months ago, he and his wife, E.E., and um, every time I meet with James, I'm just really impressed and in awe of uh, his determination, his courage, his commitment um, to his values and to what he and his family are doing and his purpose in life. And though You'll see he, experience, he has experienced great challenges. He has not missed a beat on continuing with his purpose in life. It's, he's approaching it completely different than it was before, but his mission and purpose is still the same. And I know you guys will be encouraged by hearing the details of his story. So with that, I want to welcome James. James, welcome. Welcome to Tiati. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So I know we've been talking about this for a while, so I'm glad to finally be able to sit down and and have this conversation and be able to share it with others. So with that, James, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, the, the day in the life of someone that lived in those rural areas of Myanmar? Well, in, in our country, uh, Myanmar, people are farmers, mostly farmer cultivators uh, who live in the rural area. So there's, there's a lot of differences between uh, Myanmar and America, especially in education and uh, be, um, business, uh, lifestyle, everything is different. Um, so people, people are in the rural area. They work today, they eat today. There's no chance to save money for uh, the next few years. Myanmar is also a very tropical country, very, very hot, humid. In, in the rural area, there is no air condition. There is no electricity. Um, houses are mostly built with bamboo, so people cook by using fire. Uh, no, there's no good transportations. You have to walk, or you have to go by bullock cart. Uh, that is all they have. Uh, that's all transportation they have there. So uh, education is education is very hard. Uh, the government does not support provide education in many regions of the rural area. Uh, because of that people are uneducated, 
And we can also see those kinds of uh, people in the refugees communities here in the United States. Uh, there are a lot of Burmese people in the United States as refugees and the same, um, you know, adult, you will see that adult, elderly people, they are uneducated too. So, so James, you mentioned refugees here in the United States. Um, help us understand why there are so many refugees from Burma, uh, Myanmar. Uh, I know one thing we discussed was a cyclone that hit in, in 2008, I believe it was, and then some of the internal conflicts. Uh, so tell us more about why there are so many refugees from, from Myanmar. Refugees come to the United States, there's three reasons. The first reason is because of the conflicts um, between the military army and the um, people groups, ethnic army. And the second reason is uh, persecutions, religious persecutions. Even though the government of Burma have a bylaw and constitutions which was written in 2008, uh, that describes that Christians, Muslim, Buddhists, Hindus, these four big religious have freedom of worship, but that is in the paper. In reality, um, a lot of places in Burma do not have uh, this freedom. So because of religious persecutions, many people uh, were persecuted and go around to another country. And so this is the second reason. And the third reason is um, economics has been very, very bad in the country. Uh, we, can, we can also uh, know that Burma is one of the, the poorest countries in, in, in Southeast Asia. So uh, people go out from the country, run away from the country, for three reasons. The first one is political reason. The second one is religious persecution. And the third one is uh, economics persecution, economics uh, problems. So when you say religious persecution, what, what, what are things that happen to people that are being persecuted? How are they persecuted today? They, they arrested them and they will, they will find them. Or some people might be uh, gone forever. So that's still happening. And uh, some people have been killed too. Uh, the, the the church, if if the church was built in some place, they can also you know lock it. Uh, they will not allow to use it for church service worshiping. I have been talking with uh, some other leaders in the country. Uh, there is a, a big problem going on uh, about politicals persecutions persecutions to uh, ethnic minorities. Even right now, there are more than eight. 8,000 people have to run from their home. So they, they become like IDPS, internal displaced people. And uh, they are living in, in, um, in, the, in the camp right now because the government of Burma, Myanmar, airstrikes, bombings in their villages. So tell me, um, tell me about the cyclone or about the orphanage situation. Uh, there in Burma, because I know you have an orphanage ministry. So tell me about um, kind of what what got you started with that of why we need why you needed to have an orphanage ministry. Well, um, God called me when I was seventeen. Um, I, I started the ministry as 
um, disciple makings among the young generations who are students in universities and high school. But in 2008, there was a big, uh, we call it Nagi Cyclones. That's, that's what, that devastated uh, a state called Ayawardi. I already established my ministry this time uh, by visiting different villages and different sta- in different states of the country. We preach the gospel and we train people to become disciples who will make another disciples. And so we planted how churches. When we heard nervous cyclones devastated everybody and many people die, we saw that a lot of children, a lot of children on the street without parents, without foods, without drinks, um, they lost everything they have. They have a lot of kids in that Buddhist temple. They, they, they didn't have enough foods to feed them. There are a lot of kids who are very, uh, very weak. Some, are, some got sick. Um, so I asked them, can you give us some, some, some kids? We can take care of them. But they will still say, no, you can't, you can't take these people, these children, because you are, you are Christian. When we see that a lot of children there, I, I feel like, you know, what we, what we can do for them. Uh, unfortunately, even though we want to take them as our, as our children, right, we were not allowed to do, because they were saying, you're a Christian, you cannot take this, these children to your home. So this was not happened the first time, but we pray for them. Uh, Our heart is broken for them. Um, So I needed advice. So I talked with my mom. So my mom told me, you you need to bring some gift, right? You need to to give some gift. And so the second time I bring some gift to the the temple and uh, I asked them, uh, some, some children, that I can take home. So the first the first time they get they get a seven kids uh, who are very weak and sick. Um, so we took them home. That's how we start orphanage. I never believed that myself. I never thought that I will have uh, you know orphan children come to my house as my children. So. Uh, but I believe that God has got plans for us to start our, our orphanage in, in Burma. Uh, the next time we visit, they give another seven, so we have fourteen, and uh, we keep we keep working hard in that area for the humanitarian aids among the uh, the the Buddhists and um, the people in the area. So right now, in in our orphanage, we have our six kids. Uh, that's how we we start ministry. Wow. So what kind of gifts did you take uh, whenever you went to the to the Buddhist temple to try to get the kids? What kind of gifts? Well, it's kind of, um, you know, the, the best gift to, uh, to the Buddhist temple is money, right? Uh, so we, we, we did bring some money, but also some rice and also uh, some clothing for the kids and also who were walking there. So that's that's what we get. Okay. So so we've we've talked about uh, your your purpose, your ministry. 
church planting obviously being a big part of it and orphanage also being a big part of it. Um, so let's fast forward a little bit and let's talk about um, your plans uh, to come to the U.S. And what was that time frame and what were you guys planning? Well, um, our, our ministries in Burma was very, I mean, blessed. We are very blessed. So I worked with a lot of native missionary in four different states in the country. We focused on rich people groups, the most unreached people groups. So before we came to the United States, we planted 360 churches, how churches. Wow. And we need someone who support our ministry or any or some organization to support our ministry. So I kind of, you know, start thinking, looking for partnerships in, from another country, maybe United States or maybe another country like England's or, you know, Western country. But for me, that time it was hard because my, I, I do not speak English much. I can read barely, so I do not speak English much. Uh, it was very difficult. So I understand that to lead the organization in Burma, I myself is more, uh, I need to learn more about how I can, uh, I can lead. Uh, I need leadership, spiritual leadership. So uh, I need that. I, I kind of believe that I need some trainings. I need some financial sources. So since then, I start thinking to travel to United States or some other countries. So I came back in 2011 in the United States. I spent 45, about 45 days. Uh, it was a training, and I did look for some financial uh, partnership, but I didn't, I didn't get financial partnership, so I, I go back home. In 2013, November 21st, me and my wife came to the United States. Uh, we arrived in Atlanta. Uh, actually, it was kind of landing on the planet Mars. It was very, very uh, different. Uh, big airport with a lot of people. Um, so um, we arrived in November 21st of 2013. Uh, our plan was to find a financial partnership and also some trends. So I believe that my wife also will find some partners for our HIV EIDS ministry in Burma. How long, how long did you guys plan on being here uh, during that time? That time we planned uh, about two months. Because my wife was pregnant, uh, we need to go back to Burma before uh, she delivered a baby. So tell us about the process of preparing to come to the U.S. or go to the U.S. What was that process like? Because um, I know we discussed before there were some challenges with that. So walk us through a little bit about that process of applying to go to the U.S. and, and, right. and traveling. Well, Going to United States for Burmese people uh, was very difficult. That's why Burmese people believe that going to United States is going to the second heaven. Mm. It's very hard, especially for younger people like us. And we do need to show like 
show money. And even, you know, we need to go through the uh, consular interview at the United States Embassy in Burma. Um, we did all, all paperwork by online, and also we need to bring all the paperwork we have when we have interview. So when we got there, there are a lot of people waiting interview at the waiting rooms. That day, people show that as a show money, they, they bring their bank's, uh, bank statement that they showing that they have $30,000. You know, some people will show that they have a good job. They, have, they will show that they have a good, a good company, famous company in the country. For us, that time, we didn't have any money to show them. We, we have nothing to show them that, you know, we, we are rich people, we'll come back. We have nothing like that. Uh, all we have was our passport and our letters, recommend, recommendations about who we are. So everybody, every people kind of in our society, in our community who knows us, do not believe that we will receive a visa. But I believe that this is God's plan, not our plan. I believe God's rescue us from a, a big persecution that we are about to confront. So when we show up to the to the immigrant uh, to the um, embassy, there was no much question for us. They look at our passport, our papers. They stem on us. So come back tomorrow, pick up your visa. That's it. So I wonder, wow, God, this is not about this is not about what we have evidence, how rich we are, but that was about how God is dealing for his people. So the next day I go pick up the, 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 the visa and then so we can come to United States. So who were who the first people you told or, or showed your visa to? Was that your parents or people that you work with, or what, what was that like? That, definitely my parents, definitely my parents. Well, I know that uh, our kids, our orphan children, and uh, the staff in our orphanage, they are praying for us during our interview time. Um, they, they do fasting and prayer for us. So as soon as we, heard, we know that we, we go through the, the visas, I call, uh, my, my, my father, we, we got visas. So they tell him, not asking, but praising God in their prayer. Wow. So, so when they were praying, they were just praising him while you guys were at your interview. They were, they were yes. praying and, and praising him and just honoring him through that process. And then that's right. you guys just got the stamp and picked it up the next day. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So, so after you guys pick it up the next day, what, what were the next few days or weeks like? How did you then make your plans and prepare to then go to the U S what was the timing like in your process? Well, there, there was actually, we have not too many things. Um, only like what we wear and uh, a bags for a bags for 
changing our clothes and my notebook. Um, so this was very easy for, for, for us to prepare to go to, to, to travel, actually. Uh, but the, the other things was that in that, that moment, there are a lot of things going with our ministries in different parts of the country. So I needed to deal with uh, some authority and also some uh, regionals, directors in our ministry in different places about giving them some advice how to go through the hardship because we already struggled and got some hardship from uh, the, the, um, the military kinds of persecution in our ministry. So uh, before we came to the United States, it was a lot of things going already in the ministry. Okay. So what was it like then? I know this was your second time to the U.S. because this was 2013. And this was EE's first trip to the U.S. So what were some of y'all's conversations as y'all were on the plane or, or coming to the U.S.? And I can imagine there was some excitement there uh, just for the experience of, of being on the plane for her and then getting to the U.S. What was that like? Well, um, actually, even though I came back in the Laban, uh, I, didn't, I didn't know too much because... I spent uh, in a place for training. So I didn't know too much about going out or what Americans culture, traditions, and what this look like. And uh, some of my time I spent in a, a, a friend house. So I didn't go too many places and so I didn't know too much this time. So when uh, we talk about uh, coming to the United States and how it looked like and how we spent our times on the plane. Um, actually, I did not have too many things to share to my, my, my wife. <laughs> um, so she was pregnant, but we just put our hope uh, on our plan to come true. We talk more about that, how we will raise uh, fun fundings for our, our country our ministry in the country. So we talked more about that. And my wife was very exciting in uh, coming to the United States because this was the first time and uh, we believe that America is, you know, everybody believed that America is kind of the greatest nation in, 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 in the world and uh, the most developed country in the, in the world. So she was very excited. But as she was pregnant, and um, and also with exciting, I, I think she was not very feeling good on the plane. Mm. You know, um, but yeah, we, we went through. Okay, okay. So now tell us about you actually getting to the U.S. and were you staying with a family? Is that was that the arrangement? So you were going to stay with a, a host family or something like that? Or well, yeah, we plans. Uh, to stay at a house um, and then we stay for uh, when we arrive there in airport they pick us up and then we we go to their, their apartment complex they have three kids uh, they have uh, they have two bedrooms in their their apartment 
However, there is no room for us, but um, we can stay with the two girls uh, who live in one, one, one room. So they, they sleep in the, the other side and we sleep in the other side. They are also refugees. Um, so they don't have so many things in the house. We didn't have, uh, we didn't have uh, beds. We just need to sleep on the floor. Um, very simple, very simple. Yeah, we, we stay in it. That's okay. So, talk about where things start to turn. Because at this point, it sounds like you know God was affirming your plans. You were getting positive affirmations and encouragement. Uh, the visa being the obvious, the obvious one and then getting to the U.S., having a place to stay. So talk to us about when things started turning for you. That's right. We, we believe that, you know, our plans was to speak at uh, churches and get some trainings. That was our plan. That's all about our plans. And then two weeks later, I got a message from my, uh, my father. Um, so he said, we... You know, we should stay longer because uh, in, in our country, you know, persecutions started in our ministry. Uh, terribly. Uh, he, told that, uh, he told me that our native missionaries are missing. Their, ma- their, their mom or their wife, they don't know where they were. Uh, they were picked up in the middle of the night and they never come back. So our native missionary is missing. And then they come to our house for searching. They bring, uh, they bring like uh, uh, a warrant for my arrest. They start arresting our people, killing our people. Uh, they took my sister, my elder sister, in prison without any reason. They just took her. Wow. So... My father was also need, needed to run to India and also to Malaysia. Um, because of that reasons, we remain stay in the United States. Um, as soon as I heard, the, I, I, I saw the message, I heard from my father, uh, you know, I still feel like, well, we have six month visa, right? Uh, so my heart and our, our plan still the same to go back to Burma. Because we have a lot of uh, progress in our mission work. When, when things worsen and worsen, I start thinking, what should I do? And my, our visa, if our visa expired and if we cannot go back to Burma, we will become illegal. And my wife also pregnant. She needs to be delivered the baby soon too. So a lot of things happen in our first months of the United States. The only way that we can remain is to seek asylum. But I don't know what, what, how do we, we do that asylum process. I didn't know anything. So we, we visit to another, another agency and then they send me to another agency. So at last, I uh, was connected with GAME, which is Georgia Asylum and Immigration Network. And I was told to write my story, and I, I did write my story in my own English. Uh, I might say this is Burlish, not, not English. <laughs> uh, so I put it down about 50 pages, 
it was a lot of work. Every night, I put it down on the papers. Um, my wife also worried. Every night, she worried and cried. She wanted to go back home. She needed to deliver a baby. No, she don't want to deliver a baby in that apartment complex. Um, so, yeah, with this all hardship, I put it all that paperwork together. But when I read it, I know that my English was not enough. And so, one day, someone knocked the door, and I opened it. He was a missionary, and um, we started talking together. And I asked him if he can help. So he helped me my English, my paperwork into a better English, a real English. And when I done, I bring it to the games, and that's uh, the game. The game Georgia Southern Immigration Network uh, told me that. They they were they were they were looking for who will do this case for me, so we needed to wait again. I don't know how long, uh, but the good thing is me and my wife, before we had baby, uh, when we arrived in the United States, every evening we believe that uh, if we walk, if, uh, if we walk a lot, uh, he will deliver baby more easy. So every evening we walk around apartment complex. We did not know there are a lot of Burmese people in this area. So one, one evening when we walk around the apartment complex, we heard someone speaking in Burmese. And he said, listen, they are speaking in Burmese. Let's go knock the door. And we go knock the door. They open the door. And yes, they were Burmese. And they were Burmese Buddhists. And um, we start introducing ourselves, and we listen to their story. Then when we know each other, we visit them every evening. Every time we walk, we visit them. And later, God put me burden in my heart. So I tell my story and Jesus' story. Up to three months later, they become believers. They all family become believers. We baptize them in that apartment. And so we asked them if they know more Burmese in the area. They, and then they introduced us with more Burmese people. We know more and more Burmese people in the area. So we started a church there. I believe that God's gave us influence person and a person of peace. Um, and that is the foundations of uh, the ministry beginning through the family in the Clarkson area. We start working with them for a while. We have been doing evangelizations in that apartment complex and to another apartment complex like that. So at that point, um, were you guys still living with that family? Yes, the, we're still living with the family because of too many people in a small apartment. They actually want us to, to leave another place, but we didn't have a chance um, the reason was we come here with passport, with visa, and we do not have Georgia ID. We do not have social security. We do not have work permit. So there is no way for us to move to another place or to rent apartment by ourselves. And we do not have sources. We do not have money. So... We, we needed to live with that family. We, need to, we needed to stick with that family as long as we can. 
So how, so how did you guys get started? Well, actually, the story go back to um, my scheme asylum. Georgia Asylum Immigration Network found a lawyer for us, and he came to our door and said he will represent for us. And so he he become our our lawyer. So he prepared all of our all of our uh, application for us. Uh, and he said he want to bring me to uh, a main group on Friday morning at the church. They have Friday morning Bible study. So I said I would love to go. And I I go with him in the morning and said and he introduced me with all men who come together for Bible study. And I, I did have a chance to talk about my story uh, a little bit because my English was very limited and the time was very, also very sensitive. And so after we have a meeting, there was uh, also a missionary from Nigeria. His name was Bayou Otiti. And uh, he kind of adopted me, and he, he, he took me to his office in Cluxton. He also walked among the, a lot of refugees, and especially Muslim. And um, so he said, James, you can use this all office chapel rooms for your church. And so... I, at that time, I did not have a church. I have a home groups, like like how church. So, at once in my mind, it is come like okay. So my people can come here and worship. You know, I feel like I very very happy because I have a place for worship, teaching, trainings. So, when when we have to move from the the apartment complex. I told them, my, I told my lawyer and my, my lawyer and also uh, Bayou, well, Bayou said, well, I have apartment complex, which is abundant apartment, uh, but still good if we remodel. So if you want to live there, I will, I will remodel it. It will take one month and you can live there. So I said, of course, yes, because, I, you know, there, there is no place, there was no place that we can go. But we have nothing. So after one month later, we move in. And after one year, we live in that apartment by you passed. And the leasing office told us to move again. And we don't have another place to move again because we, we don't have work permit yet. And our certain case was still pending. We didn't have no news. We didn't have driving lessons. We didn't have Social security number this time. So, where will we go? Um, that happened again. Um, but I, one one morning, I teach at Global Frontier Missions, and I met with Dan, uh, Nathan. Um, Nathan asked me, James, what can we help you? And I said, Well, we need to move, and we are looking for a house to rent. And so. He said he has a friends. He he's a missionary, and they live in India. Uh, his house is available for rent, and I was so happy. And then I got a contact with them, 
and the house was available for us again. No more apartment, this time a house. And we moved into that house on August uh, 2016. And so since then, we live in that, that house. Uh, even today, we're still living in that house. We believe that this is God gave for us to live. And the, the, the owner is also missionary in India with their own, their whole, whole family. They allow us to use their house for our worship. They allow us to do garden for refugees in that property. And we also have a baptism area in that place. We have baptized 207 people in that property. So this has been a blessing for us. Wow, that's, that's awesome. That's amazing. So what, what kind of advice um, would you give someone that is currently experiencing their plans going awry, things looking pretty you know, bleak? What kind of advice would you give someone going through that type of scenario? Well, I will say that have faith in God because in my life, my life was devastated, but we have put our faith in God alone because we believe that God has a plan for us. Uh, we come to unite us with our plan, but God's turned it over into his plan with amazing way. He provides all our needs. The first year, the second year, the third year, I didn't have work permit. That means I do not have income. I have my wife, the same situations. We have baby Jaden. Born in 2014, you know, we didn't have anything. We didn't have anything to feed ourselves. But God provides what we need in his own way. So I say this, God is faithful. He's amazing God. He knows our situations. He knows our hardship. But he turned everything upside down. He blessed us in that way. He actually uh, helped us to go through all that hardship. So he's a faithful God. He's in control. Uh, I know, you know, you're a believer, but some of our audience, they may, they may not be a believer. So how can you explain to someone those hardships you now looking back and considering those a blessing? In every situation of our life, you know, my, my wife and me, we cry a lot. Every evening, every night, we cry, we cry, we cry a lot. Especially in the first years, we needed a house to live. We needed food to eat. We needed some food for our, ch- our child, Jaden's. Without God, in that time, we cannot, we cannot go through that hardship at all. We put our faith in God alone. Uh, if we look at the, that obstacles, that problems, there's no way to overcome. I will say from the Bible's story, David and Goliath, uh, David do not see how big that Goliath was. David looked at God. He put his faith on God alone, Tim. He believed that God is bigger than that problem. That's Goliath, right? So in this time, I believe that only, only hope gives us a life. Uh, we, can, we can live our life with hope alone. I'll say that way. So, so to, help, um, to help others understand that God changed your plans not to be in the U.S. temporarily, what are some things you've seen come to fruition that could have only happened by you being here in the U.S.? In the United States, the reason I always say that this is God's plan, not my plan, is I have since 
in Clarkston area where we serve God. I have seen a lot of people life change. People who are Buddhist, people who are Muslim, they become believers. They life change. They were found. And they become disciples who make another disciples. So when I see this, this is God's plan. Also in Burma, when, since we started our ministry here at 501c3, we can raise funding ourselves. We can raise funding and we, we support our native missionary in Burma. There's still plenty of churches. We have mission center in there, orphanage in there. So we can provide from here. If I am not here and still in Burma, it might not happen, right? So God work in that way, miraculously. So, so you know, in Burma, the orphanage, it costs about $80,000. We can build it. We can have a church building as a church building and uh, a, missions, a missionary training school. So all of those things, we can raise funding because uh, we are here. So God is working miraculously in our ministry during we stay in the United States. That's awesome. So James, uh, right. tell us, do you have any other additional uh, Bible verses or key passages that you would recommend to someone that may be struggling through a difficult time currently? Well, um, yeah, in the first, in the first place, uh, Bibles. I would say Bibles is the 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 best book that uh, we should read in our hard time because this time in our, our early years, all we have was Bible. The book we have was Bible. And my favorite uh, Bible verses is actually uh, two. John 3.16, I like it very much. And everybody, I believe, every Christian, every believers will also like that Bible verse, right? Uh, this is about God, uh, for God so loved the world and he, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. In that, in that verse, my friend, and kind of my adopted father, Bayou, when he, when he say the Bible verse, he usually widespread his arm, love. Because love, God love was so much. Um, I like that because I feel that one, that love. Uh, every time we, we got problems, struggles, hardship in our life, I feel God love, and I know that uh, He will He will not forsake me. God love is enough for us. And another Bible verse is Second Corinthians chapter five, uh, verse seventeen. I, I it is in English, so I might not uh, say it. I need to read it. It is from, okay, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Though old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is the Christ God 
was reconciling the words to himself, not counting their treatises against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal to us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he make him to be seen, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So I like these Bible verses too. Because when I tell my story, this story, one of my friends, he actually a missionary too, a young missionary in Clarkston. Um, did you feel stressful last time? And I said, of course, I did feel stressful. Did you want us to even, did you want us to do suicide? By suicide? Oh, no. You know, <laughs> um, actually, that's what that was maybe, you know, that hardship, maybe some people may think that they need to end their life. But in my belief, we are Christian. We, are, we believe the living God. We feel, we believe him because we feel his love, right? So I know that even though that hardship was terrible, I know that I am the son of God. He loved me. I am not the old person like before. I am a new creation. He loved us. And he need me. He, he want me to be his ambassador. Right? He want me to be his ambassador. Paul said, uh, we are, you know, we are ambassador of Christ. So the hardship was very, very terrible. But I know that Christ, Jesus, died on the cross. That hardship was much, much terrible than the hardship I, I confronted because of the missions we walk. So I, I, I will say that, you know, you know, believe in, believe in God, believe in Jesus, put your faith on God alone, feel his love, and you will definitely go through the hardship. Last question, then, then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up. What advice would you give that person that's crying themselves to sleep right now at night? Well, um, yeah, this is a very, a very good question. Um, our times, that's time, you know, we cry every night and we, we, when we think about our hardship, our problems in here and in Burma, in Myanmar, and the situation we go through, every time we think that tears come out by itself, we just cry. At that moment, I feel, and my wife, we both feel that we need someone to talk with. And I know that there are, there are people around us who are believers, who are godly people, the right people. So I do not keep those hardships in, in, inside myself. I don't want to do that. By praying, I tell everything I feel to God. No, I, 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 I pray, I speak to God as speaking to friends, as speaking to my parents. I tell my situation, my struggles, my problems, what I need, everything's to God. I just tell it, say it to him by prayer. And also, I tell to my co-workers, like my friends who are working with me, 
Kevin Riley is an, a North American mission, missionary who work, in, who work in Clarkston area. So I work with him about, uh, well, most of my life here in the United States. He also uh, mentored me. So I told him everything I feel, our hardship, our problem. I'm not asking, help me this much. I'm not asking, help me, help me, give me some money. I'm not asking, give me some food. But I told him what happened in our life. I asked him prayer. When I say that, you know, I feel better. And uh, so um, I do not keep my problem in alone. We do not keep it. Uh, all those struggle problems, I, you know, I, I go to Christ. I, I, I come to God and say it to God, tell him everything. And I uh, also to uh, our friends and, you know, co-workers. And he, of course, when we have uh, a good times to be able to talk, I did, I did also tell to my mom because I know my mom loved me. My, I know that my mom will have some encouragements for me, some advice, good advice for me. So I go through that way. So I will suggest that if you have some problems, struggles, hardship in your life, please tell to God, tell to, tell to your pastors, or tell to, tell to uh, your immediate family who love you. That is, that's the good things. That's great. I think that those are all excellent points. Well, James, thank you for your time today. It's been very um, uh, interesting to hear about the people of Myanmar, your experience and your wife's, you and your wife's commitment to serve others and to, and to love on others and to help them through hardships. Uh, and then to hear about your hardships and how you were able to get through those, how you're able to get through it. So thank you for being with us today and sharing. And I look forward to speaking with you again to learn more about your story. You and I have talked about how, um, Christianity came to Myanmar and how we'll do an episode on that in the future. So thank you again, James, and um, God bless. Thank you. God bless you too.